0: Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. A second scripture lesson from the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 to 12. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel... How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely his anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On Monday mornings, I often wish for a redo of the previous day's sermon. More often than not, I wake up wishing that I could change or rephrase something that I'd said the day before. No doubt the same thing will happen to me tomorrow morning. Surely between now and tomorrow morning, something will happen. Maybe one of you will say the perfect thing that I wish I would have said, or will ask me the perfect question on your way out of here, a question that I hadn't even thought to address. Maybe this afternoon you'll email me, and I'll think to myself, had she asked me that question on Saturday night, I might have written a better sermon on Sunday morning. So it happened after the last sermon that I preached on the boy Samuel. I preached that sermon two weeks ago. In today's scripture lesson, he has grown into a man. But in the passage that we read together two weeks ago, he was only a boy sleeping on the floor of the Holy of Holies when the voice of God woke him up. You likely know all about the Holy of Holies. It was the most sacred place in the temple where the Ark of God was kept. The Ark, as the Reverend Cassie Waits told us last Sunday, held holy relics from the time of Moses. In it were pieces of the Ten Commandments, the priest Aaron's staff, as well as a container of manna from the wilderness kept in a golden jar. The Ark was also God's throne. The people believe that God would come and sit on the ark as a king in a throne room. Why then would the boy Samuel have been using that sacred space as his bedroom? That's the question Harriet Majoris asked me the Monday after I preached my last sermon. It's a wonderful question and I want to take a moment today to try and answer it because this question will help us to better understand the prophet Samuel and the impact he made on the nation of Israel. Here's what we all must understand about the prophet Samuel. Samuel left Israel better than he found it. Like a boy scout who came upon a mess that he didn't make, he cleaned things up and he made things better. Even though the mess wasn't his making in the first place, he left things in Israel better than he found them. When it came to the temple, when Samuel was a boy, the temple was not the revered and respected space that it should have been. Temple practice had devolved. The priesthood was corrupt. That the Holy of Holies had turned into a boy's bedroom is a good indication of how far standards had fallen in the temple and among the priesthood. So imagine with me what the religious life of that nation had become. In those days before Samuel, things were bad when it came to the maintenance of divine worship. The spiritual life of the people lacked integrity. The priest Eli was in charge and he was known to be a kind and a holy man. However, both his sons were scoundrels. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice at the temple, Eli's sons would grab a fork. That's literally what the Bible tells us. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord or for the duties of the priests. When anyone offered sacrifice, they would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in their hand and they would thrust it into the pan or the kettle or the cauldron or the pot. All that the fork brought up, they would take for themselves. Furthermore, when women came to the temple, they faced harassment from these sons who abused their power, used their office for personal gain. And when the nation went to war with the Philistines, Eli's sons thought that bringing the ark out to the battlefront might turn the tide giving Israel an advantage Instead the army retreated Eli's sons were killed and the ark was captured by the heathen Philistines I tell you all this today Because I want you to understand how things were in Israel before the time of Samuel I want you to know that Samuel left Israel better than he found it. Before Samuel, things were bad. Why did he sleep in the Holy of Holies as a boy? It's because things at the temple were a mess. There was corruption in the priesthood. Things in the government weren't much better. We hear about the government of Israel before the time of Samuel in the book of Judges. If you know anything about the book of Judges, it might be the ending of that book, the very last verse. In those days, there was no king in Israel. All people did what was right in their own eyes. How does that sound? Some might say, that sounds familiar. You could say that, but I also want you to hear that it was nearly chaos. And what you need to know about Samuel is that he is the bridge between that time of near chaos, those days of the judges, and the reign of King David. What you need to know about Samuel is that he reformed the temple and the nation, leaving things in Israel better than he found them, thanks be to God. But hear this account of Samuel and know that we are not the first nation to experience good times and bad times. The 21st century is not the first chapter in human history when good people would like to throw up their hands in disgust and disappointment, nor nor is now the first time where we needed some religious enlightenment. The 21st century is not the first time in human history where things needed to get better. In Samuel's age, he stepped onto the stage and things improved, thanks be to God, yet to truly get his beloved nation on the right course, there was something else that he needed to do. He did something that we all should do after dedicating ourselves and our days to service, after improving things in his nation and at the temple. He listened to the voice of God again As God calls him to consider who would lead the nation after he was gone. Having run his race in faith, God asked him, to whom will you pass the baton? Having served the Lord faithfully, what will you do to prevent things from going backward once you've died? Samuel lived a life worthy of our remembrance, but look with me today to our second scripture lesson and notice the greatest thing that he did. Answering God's call again, Samuel anointed David. This is a beautiful thing to pass the work on to the next generation. My friend Mike Velarde remembers the Reverend Dr. Joan Gray asking him repeatedly, Mike, who's behind you? Who will keep things going? So Samuel anointed David. Obeying God's call, the work that God began in Samuel continued with David, and Israel's greatest days were not in the past, but in the future. Think of these things with me today and remember how important it is. Not just for us to do our best, but for us to have some faith in the next generation. Today, I remember the words of billionaire Warren Buffett: The perfect inheritance is enough money so that children feel they can do anything, but not so much money that they can do nothing. Think about that with me. How can we help our children to believe that they can do anything? How can we help them to answer the call of God on their lives? How can we show them that just as God called us to live for a higher purpose and for deeper meaning, so also does God call them to do more than entertain themselves on their phones? Speaking of inheritance and money, I remember not ever knowing how much my parents gave to this church. Money wasn't something that anyone in my family ever talked about. Was it that way in your family growing up? I once asked my mom about my father's salary. And my mother asked me as though, she she acted as though I just asked for permission to go and investigate my father's underwear drawer or something. (laughs) Money was not something that we talked about ever. Yet more recently, my dad told me that he once received a call from this church's session where an elder thanked him for being a substantial financial contributor to the church To hear that his was one of the larger gifts came as a great surprise and it also embarrassed him because in my house we didn't talk about such things. However, it was good for me to hear that. Hearing what my father gave to this church provided me enough information to understand that being a part of a church requires a certain level of financial commitment. Keeping this place going doesn't just happen, and you don't have to be a millionaire to make a difference. Likewise, I remember hearing as a kid that Dr. James O. Speed, then the senior pastor, tithed the full 10% of his income. And if the church needed it and his household could afford it, he would give even more. My friends, I want you to know that I do the same thing. of what you pay me goes right back into this church. I learned that from my father. I learned that from Jim Speed. I learned that it was possible to do something powerful with what God has given me. And I want my children to learn to do the same thing. Because it is not enough for me to leave this place better than I found it. We must pass the tradition of generosity on to the next generation. Having answered God's call ourselves, we now must teach others to hear his voice and to follow that they also might know the joy of giving to something that is worth believing in. First Presbyterian Church of Marietta will soon be 200 years old. The gospel will be no less necessary And 200 more years than it was 200 years ago. May our example now shape that future. And may the future of this church be brighter than all our yesterdays. Let us show our children and our grandchildren how it's done. Let us set an example for them to follow. While I was writing this sermon... Denise Lobodinsky texted me a quote. The world is changed by your example, not by your opinion. That's a good one, isn't it? I'm thankful she sent it to me on a Thursday rather than a Monday so I could include it in this sermon. (laughs) Consider with me today how important your example is. And what a powerful moment it was for me as a kid to line up with this entire congregation and to walk down that aisle making a pledge, following the example of my Sunday school teachers, my pastors, my youth advisors, and my parents. This morning, the children will be watching us. They'll see us as we invest in this church, as we invest in this church's future, as we give a portion of what God has given us to make ministry possible here for another year. May they see in us the kind of generosity that not only ensures this place will make it another year, but may they hear us encourage them to believe that through God, They will do things that we cannot even imagine. For it's true that Samuel left Israel better than he found it, but David was that nation's greatest king. I wouldn't be surprised to learn that the children who will grow up to reform this nation and revitalize the church are sitting right in here with us What they need from us today is our example and our blessing. Friends, let us show them how to follow the Lord that they might also hear His voice and answer His call. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.